We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking advanced team stats on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Dave Cabin, one of the owners at Rotoviz. I will be doing a solo episode as I record Monday evening, and that's because Curtis is drafting in the FFPC Pros versus Joe's contest. A really fun contest that they run every year where they get a handful of folks from the industry, have them draft in some drafts with uh, some players that spend a lot of time drafting teams on the FFPC. I believe that Curtis drafts a team in this every year with Ryan McDowell. They have been really successful. So he was super pumped and excited about this. I'm sure he's going to want to give us the rundown when he returns later in the week. But that's cool because it gave me an opportunity to talk about the tool that I'm currently working on and doing a little bit of research into. So we spent a lot of time last year talking about player level advanced stats. And there were some really interesting things that we found a lot of fun things to look at week in and week out. I am now working on something that's going to have these measures for us at the team level. Um, So it's going to be pretty interesting to chop these numbers up should have something up fairly soon where you can take a look at them. Uh, but that really makes this entire episode an FFPC stat attack, right? Because we're going to be looking at a lot of stats here, uh, particularly how things correlate with wins. And I'll explain why in a minute. But this is your reminder to go to my FFPC.com, check out and sign up and play in the main event Maybe get crazy, maybe go to Vegas for it. It is the funnest contest in the industry. We're going to be drafting a ton of teams in it this year. Uh, There's also the Football Guys Players Championship, another really fun FFPC contest. Of course, they got the Rotoviz Triflex Leagues. They got Best Ball Leagues. You name it, they have it. Definitely check out the FFPC. And that brings us to our full-length episode here of A Stat Attack. All right, so... One of the things that I have been looking at, in addition to looking at these team level stats, is the relationship between particular stats or metrics that you could look at 
and team wins. I am doing this uh, because as I mentioned back when we started talking about projections, there is a relationship or when you're building up projections, you need to think about the record that a team is going to have in the coming year. And a team's record will have ramifications on the amount of plays that it can run, how those plays might be distributed. Um, talked about this in an article I wrote a while back. Um, I don't know the name of it off the top of my head. Pretty sure you could search for it and likely find it on the site if you weren't interested there. It was a quick little article that just kind of gives you a couple of visuals of the relationship between play volumes and a team's record. But I wanted to refresh, and excuse me, you're about to take a sip of a fresh triflex made for this recording. Okay, so I want to just refresh myself on some of these um, as I try to refine things out a little bit more, look at how things shook out in 2021. And we're going to start by looking at turnovers because uh, it's an interesting thing to look at. But the important context that you need to know here is that numbers I am going to be telling you in some of these uh, things that we're going to talk through are going to be numbers that would be different if you're hearing them reported in a single game situation. What do I mean by that? Well, for example, I am looking at the correlation or the adjusted R squared, essentially looking at the relationship between a team's point differential and that team's win total for the 2021 season. That is a different exercise than looking at individual games and finding the relationship between turnover differential in a game and wins. That's separate. You're going to see a much stronger relationship if you're looking at a single game turnover differential and wins in a single game. That's different than looking at a team's record across the season and its point differential for the season. Okay, so we have the context. Um, so the way I, I started off looking at this, I was curious to see um, takeaways and giveaways with interceptions. Uh, as you might guess, there's a... About a three, eh, maybe like two and a half times as strong of a relationship between um, interceptions that your defense uh, records and interceptions that your quarterback throws uh, skewed toward your quarterback throwing the interception. So it appears to be a much uh, less impactful thing if you intercept the other team's quarterback versus your quarterback having uh, an interception thrown. So it's actually 0.33 uh, for a giveaway that's an interception and 0.16 for a takeaway that's an interception. Uh, point differential is at 0.36, but the biggest uh, relationship we see when you just look at total giveaways, that actually comes in at 0.38. This shouldn't be that big of a surprise. The more often your team is giving the ball back to the other team, having a drive cut short, giving them an opportunity to score, the worse off you're going to be. So for a little bit of context, that number was a was 0.38. Okay, now we're going to start looking at passing. And we're going to start off looking at some of the more simple stats. Then we'll talk about some of those 
uh, that are provided to us by Sports Info Solutions, our data provider. They have some really exciting stuff. So if you start looking at uh, some of the more basic things, dropbacks, attempts, completions, those don't have a very strong relationship. Yards, passing yards per game comes in at 0.4, so a little bit more important than uh, total giveaways. Passing yards per attempt come in at 0.39, but where we see one of the strongest relationships of anything you can look at offensively with wins is adjusted net yards per attempt. We've talked about adjusted net yards per attempt before and why they are an improvement on just looking at yards per attempt, but we will quickly rehash that. So what adjusted yards per attempt are doing is incorporating touchdowns and interceptions into that number so that you're not just looking at yards because what you find is when you combine them, you get this metric that carries more weight than just looking at yards per attempt, which is a good starting point. Now, the formula that you will often see used, uh, and this actually, like, uh, adjusted net yards per attempt have been around for a very long time. Um, There's a book, The Hidden Game of Football, and I think that's where uh, these this was first introduced. I, unfortunately, I don't remember the name of the authors right now, but if you wanted to read more, the hidden game of football is where you would go. So the, the common way that you do this is you take passing yards and to that you add passing touchdowns multiplied by 20. Then you subtract interceptions thrown multiplied by 45 and you divide all of that by passing attempts. And that gets us to this adjusted net yards per attempt number that has an R squared with wins of 0.58. Um, and that's a pretty good measure in this case, because uh, as we all know, predicting wins in the NFL is a pretty hard thing to do. Um, so finding something that has that relationship with wins is 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 noteworthy in this case um air yards the of completed air yards intended air yards and air yards conversion completed air yards shouldn't be surprised most heavily correlated with wins comes in at 0.32 touchdowns per game does not top adjusted net yards per attempt of course though uh touchdowns are factored into the adjusted net yards per attempt metric uh so it is involved there but touchdowns per per game by itself has a relationship of 0.55 now i should mention that i'm only looking at 2021 if i pulled in more years we might see um things kind of compress or get a little bit closer or some subtle changes um but we're just trying to get a general idea here now touchdown percentage uh is not um as as strong as touchdowns per game is comes in at 0.51 um sacks pressures um are around 0.17 pressures per game actually is a little bit uh, has a stronger relationship and pressure percentage has a 0.31 uh passer rating that lines up uh in this case with a 0.56 so that also does tend to be pretty uh, strongly correlated in comparison to other passing statistics with wins. I actually probably should mention that we're not even going to really talk about rushing numbers. That's because there's just not a lot that is interesting there to look at. A lot of the, even the cool advanced metrics 
do not have as strong of a relationship as these passing numbers. Even rushing touchdowns per game comes in at just 0.15. Um, so there's just not much interesting here to talk about. But if we go back to passing now, uh, there's some other metrics that we can look at. One that's pretty cool um, is points earned. And now points earned, I'm going to quickly pull up the SIS glossary here so that I can use their language. So passing points earned, it's the total of um, expected points added responsibility on passes using the, all right, I'm going to condense these down. Let's go over to EPA first um, to make it a little bit easier to explain off the cuff here. And expected points added actually has an R squared with wins of 0.69. And what expected points added does is it looks at the total change in offenses expected points that came from the team passing. Now, if you're looking at it on the player level, EPA is the change in offenses expected points that came on carries by the player. Now we have to, from there, go back to expected points. Now, SIS defines expected points. What they're doing is a little bit different than what we do when we look at fantasy expected points. So they have a total points system and Total points, they take nearly like everything that SIS measures about a play and they use it to evaluate each play on a scale that allows you to compare plays in a way that's a bit easier. Um, so the number, so all of total points uses the expected points added framework. Uh, EPA works by taking a situation and finding the odds that each different scoring possibility comes next so for example if the next scoring plays a field goal um by the current defensive team two drives from now you count that as minus three uh, for example you average those across all instances in the same situation and you get expected points take the change in expected points on a given play and you get epa so you can think of a zero epa play as one that they would say stay on schedule. So it's just like your average play. Whereas an EPA of one or more is a big play for the offense. A negative EPA would be a big play for the defense. Um, so total point starts by evaluating each player or team on that scale. Zero is the average. Um, and that brings you to points above average. And then there are some things that they do from there, which I, I guess is probably worth mentioning, right? So like, uh, a player will be rewarded if they play the full season. Um, they'll keep the sum of total points around. They, mm, all right, sorry. We'll get into that a little bit more later. Um, we don't want to go too far into, into detail here. Um, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I could definitely walk through this a little bit more. But the, the takeaway here is ultimately, like, Everything that gets measured is getting baked into EPA, which is why it's uh, such an important thing to look at. Uh, we'll close off here. A really interesting one here is bust percentage, which actually came in in 2021 ahead of adjusted net yards per attempt, ahead of touchdowns per game, ahead of touchdown percentage. Now, bust percentage um, from a passing perspective they're the percentage of pass attempts that resulted in EPA of less than negative one. Uh, so if we keep in mind, you know, the strong relationship between EPA and wins, bus percentage, which is very much influenced by EPA, is going to play into that. All right. So we've cut at some of these cool metrics that we can look at. Another one uh, that's interesting, too, would be uh, wins above replacement, which are points above replacement scaled using a points per win conversion. Um, so essentially it's looking at plays, um, and it's like, if you took an average team in that situation, how much better is the team doing than that average team? And you can also look at the difference between, um, points above average and you can get to points above replacement, um, which is, fairly correlated as well at 0.54, just a little bit, at least in 2021 over wins above replacement. Um, but these are some things that, you know, you could go to the site, you could read through the definitions yourself. They're in the advanced stats explorer, take some time with these numbers. But now let's look at how things shook out last year. Um, if we head over, well, actually you can't do this on the site yet. So I am going to, I'm going to go to my advanced passing stats tab here. Um, adjusted net yards per attempt. And in a future episode, maybe we'll talk about things that tend to correlate year over year because that's a piece of this. Um, in the context of this episode, we are talking about things that are correlated with a win in 2021. We're not necessarily saying that you can look at these metrics for a team and they're going to hold in the coming year. But the Packers last year had the highest adjusted net yards per attempt of any team, actually followed by the 49ers, Cowboys, Bengals, Buccaneers, Rams, Vikings, and Chiefs. So you can see a lot of the strong teams from last year, of course, finished highly 
in this metric. Uh, some of the teams toward the bottom, Panthers were absolutely abysmal at four adjusted net yards per attempt. The Giants were just a little bit better. Bears, Jets, Jaguars, Texans, Steelers, Dolphins, actually the Ravens. Um, but I think one thing that that's worth noting here is we talked about how Ben Roethlisberger being gone in Pittsburgh could actually be a benefit to the team. Um, just high level, as I'm looking at this chart that I have here, you can see how poorly the Steelers performed in a lot of metrics last year. Uh, moving along from adjusted net yards per attempt, if you look at touchdowns per game, of course, this is something a lot of you are probably familiar with. Tampa Bay was at 2.5, followed by the Rams and Cowboys at 2.4, Packers at 2.3, Chargers at 2.2, Chiefs at 2.2, Bengals at 2.1, Bills at 2.1, and the Vikings at 2.0. Um, if we look at points earned, actually, no, let's look at, at rating first. Uh, again, we see a lot of the same teams, Packers, Bengals, Cowboys, Seahawks actually came in um, at 103, followed by the Bucks at 102, Rams and Vikings at 102, then the Cardinals at 101. Um, points earned. These are totals. You have the Chargers leading the way at 171, followed by Tampa Bay, Kansas City, the Rams, Bills, Cardinals, Packers, Cowboys, Bengals. Uh, and then PE per play, so points earned per play. Very much the same here. Chargers, Bucks, Rams, Chiefs, Cardinals, Bills, Packers, Bengals. And then finally, we'll look at those EPA-related metrics. Uh, EPA last year, the Chiefs led the league with 111, followed by the Cowboys at 89, Tampa Bay at 81, the Rams at 78, Packers at 76, Chargers at 74, Cardinals at 62, Bills at 54, and the 49ers at 54, Bengals at 44, then it dropped to the Vikings down at 30, followed by the Patriots actually at 28. Some of the teams that were worst in there, you have the Giants, Bears, Jets, Steelers, Texans, Commanders, Browns. Now, finally, the uh, bust percentage, team with the highest bust percentage um, was the Texans. Now, keep in mind, you do not want to have the highest bust percentage. Texans, Panthers, Saints, Browns, Commanders, Jags, Jets, Bears, Giants, Falcons. Teams that had the lowest bust percentages, Chiefs, Bucks, Cowboys, Packers, Rams, Raiders, Bills, 49ers, Cardinals, Patriots, Chargers. What do we do with all of this? Well, assuming that you think that the teams that I have heavily listed are still going to be strong, those are the teams from a passing perspective that probably make sense to go ahead and target. Um, if we just look at them, the Chiefs, Tyreek Hill is gone. That could impact some of these things a little bit. I would argue that we could still expect the Chiefs to be one of the better passing teams in the league. Tampa Bay, um, you know, I don't know why you're not going to be interested in Mike Evans. Uh, depending on what we see developing with Chris Godwin, you're going to be interested. A lot of people are interested in Russell Gage. Curtis and I have said that we think his ADP is getting a little bit out of hand, but if you're taking shots at teams that are going to be strong, you know, you can see why given those numbers we've looked at. Um, of course, oh, it's hard to know with the Packers. It's impossible though not to be 
interested to some degree, at least in getting involved in that offense this year. Um, the upside for Alan Lazard, we've talked a lot about, um, but there are some really easy ways to try to get in on some of that. Sammy Watkins later, as Curtis and I have done on some teams, uh, Christian Watson, Romeo Dubes, their ADPs, uh, well, Dubes very, very late. Christian Watson's ADP and underdog drafts. And I have, um, I have finished now about 60 of my puppy two drafts. Um, I have the balance of the 150 remaining to close. Christian Watson's ADP uh, has been in a spot that's made it fairly easy to get him onto teams. Um, not that I'm going to try to be too heavy on that, but you know the Packers remain interesting just because if you look at what they did last year, it was pretty impressive. Of course, taking away Devonte Adams should heavily, heavily impact that. Um, which is why it's going to be a little bit interesting when we look at how things tend to carry from year to year and try to make sense of what could happen without Aaron Rodgers there. The Rams, I think uh, you have Allen Robinson coming in, potentially um, looking like Odell Beckham did towards the end of the season. That offense should be fine. The Raiders were pretty solid last year. I know I didn't say their name a lot, Um but they were right on the cusp of where I decided to cut things off. You're adding in Devonte Adams. That makes it pretty interesting. Of course, in drafts, I'm really only seeing, well, of course, you're going to have Darren Waller at tight end and Adams and Renfro um, at wide receiver. So there's probably not too much else you could do there other than potentially with your last pick and some best ball drafts, add in Demarcus Robinson, uh, who is now with Las Vegas and perhaps could make a splash play here and there. And of course you got the bills Niners. It's going to be hard to say with Trey Lance coming in. Um, Cardinals looked pretty strong. Obviously the Chargers. Now the Patriots were actually on the cusp on some of these numbers, whether that can translate into fantasy points for their receivers will remain to be seen. Uh, and then finally, you have the Vikings. And I have been adding a fair amount of KJ Osborne to my teams. We talked before about how we think that Irv Smith is being overdrafted. If you're looking on getting into the Vikings offense, particularly the passing game, um, and you're not able to do it with Jefferson or Thielen, I think KJ Osborne becomes a pretty interesting option. Um, he's been going fairly late um, in the drafts that I've been. Let's actually take a look at his FFPC ADP right now. Um, so I'm going to go into the FFPC exposures and ADP tool and just see where Osborne is coming in. So among wide receivers currently, KJ Osborne has an ADP um, of 189 positional ADP of 65. So fairly easy way to get into that offense. So you might have, um, I might've just thrown so much data uh, at you here. Um, but these are just things that I think are important to keep in mind. I think it's always good to have a little bit more of a context when you start absorbing things that you're going to hear as we work our way through the summer up to this season Having worked through this, I think we will do an episode where we look at what team-level metrics tend to carry year over year, and then it might be a good exercise for us to revisit that at the player level. All right, 
Curtis will be back um, later this week. We're planning on recording Tuesday night, so should have an episode out Wednesday. We'll have a Friday episode. Maybe if we're lucky, I'll crank out another one um, of these. Until then, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.